0: Welcome to When Women Speak, Stories Worth Telling, a series of interviews with ordinary, extraordinary women sharing their stories, including answering three questions on something that inspired a game-changing moment and what the words When Women Speak say to them. Stories don't define who you are or determine the future, and yet they paint a vivid landscape of the world through a particular lens. That view can change in an instant, and there's something powerful in sharing our stories, learning and unlearning together, and setting them free, stripping us back to the essence of who we are. Who would you be without your story? Yes, who would you be without your story? Who would I be, your host, Sarah J. Sanderson, without my story? In today's show, we are joined by guest Helen Amory, who works with people one-to-one and in groups to reconnect them to their innate brilliance and to the real them that's been hidden behind stories and conditioning. We hear about some of the unquestioned stories that played out in Helen's own life and how she came to see something new for herself about what reality really is. A pivotal moment came for Helen in 2020 when she realised, oh, I just have to be me. And another level of ease with life appeared. Can it really be that simple? Do you have a story running that says something different? Is it time to live a new story of your choosing? Have a listen to the episode and if you would like to share your reflections then please head on over to the When Women Speak Facebook group and if you'd like to connect with Helen, you will find all the links to the group and to Helen on the show notes. Hello and welcome to another edition of Stories Worth Telling. Today I'm joined by Helen Amory and um, Helen actually reached out to me to be on the show because she has a story worth telling and she's been part of a, a challenge, really kind of getting getting to know how she's showing up in the world it's particularly in terms of business, why she's doing the business that she's doing, what the journey's been to kind of be doing what she's doing in the world. Um, so I love that. I love people reaching out to me to say, "I've got a story worth telling. I want <laughs> to be. I want to be on the show." So Helen, thank you for reaching out and um, wanting to share your your journey, your story, particularly with business. But I know the type of work you do means that. Your life experiences are kind of weaved into the reason why you're doing what you're doing, and that, I guess that could be said for, for many people that go into business. There's something, um, yeah, an experience that they've had that, yeah, kind of manifests into what they they do for a living. So, where you, where would you like to
1: where would you like to start with this? Yeah, well, first of all, I'd like to say like when you just said then that the title of the podcast "Stories Worth Telling." I remember when I first heard that when I've been listening to the podcast and uh, I was like, oh, blimey, I I don't have a, like, how would I have a story worth telling? That was like the initial, God, imagine like being so brave that you think your story's worth telling. So even that in itself has been an interesting, um, an interesting part of this. And actually, yeah, that challenge you mentioned, the course I was on, uh, that was one of the first things I said. It's like, well, well, why would my story be interesting? Like, why would... Why would that be worth anybody hearing about um but of course when you look around then you notice that the people you're drawn to and the people that you you've worked with or hung out with you know it is because of the story it is because of whatever's happened in their experience that resonates in some way so yeah once i would got that kind of <laughs> that out of the way it got got easier Although still, as you said that just then, there was that little bit of like, oh, God, really, is this going to be worth telling? Uh, Who knows? We'll wait and see what people think, won't we? (laughs) I don't get to choose that. Um, So, yeah, maybe... um, Yeah, maybe if I I start talking a bit about my business from when it first began and kind of that journey, um, and then let's let's see where we get to. Um, Because I... So I was in corporate HR... And um, I'd had a period of time off work um, for an operation, which gave me a chance to kind of step back and take time out and did a load of reading and personal development and discovered Twitter, discovered a whole bunch of people who would seem to be doing really interesting work um, in the world of of people and development and culture. I was like, oh my goodness, as I came back into, into the business after my time off sick, I was like, oh, I'm not sure I can keep doing this. I'm not sure I can keep being in, in this same environment where I've been for 10 years, with the same challenges and with the same frustrations and having had this little glimpse of another world out there. So I left corporate life, um, became a coach, and worked with leaders in their culture and their um, yeah their development programs. And then I had a shift. Um, in fact, one of the questions you asked me um, that would come up today was about something that's been inspirational and that's really had an impact and this book which may well be backwards on the screen <laughs> buddhism plain and simple was one of those moments for me so um, at the time I was in I was having a few challenges particularly around relationships so bearing in mind by this point I'd had my business for about Mm, four or five years. So I'd worked with people in HR for 15. I was, I now had this business that I'd had for four years in, like, me responsible for coaching, training, developing. Um, and yet here I was, all these years later, with two relationships, particularly, which stood out, some others as well, actually. And, yeah, my kids as well was another one. Where I was like, hang on, I've been in this development world for all these years. And yet here I am with a friend who I've had a massive falling out with because it, it, I said something wrong. It was inappropriate in the context of where we were and she was upset. So so that friendship ended and I went into a whole spiral of, oh, my goodness, I'm no good at being friends and I can't, I can't do friendships. I'm a terrible girl. Like I don't, you know, g- girls are meant to be good at having friends. And here I am and I can't make a friendship work. Um, I had a business relationship with a partner where... Um, I really had become horrible, controlling, judgmental, critical. Everything that I spent my days training and developing people not to be, everything I'd spent the previous however many years trying not to be. And plus, with then with my kids, I was so irritable and short tempered, and it was always a rush come on, come on, come on. And I've got a business to run, and you know, I've got clients, and come on, get your shoes on quicker. And it, but it was always. You know it was stressy and snappy and generally grumpy um so all of these things were kind of coming together around the same time and all of them leading me to just go what is this you know how have i been doing this work for so long and i been working so hard on my thinking like that was the the understanding i came from at the time was that my behavior comes from my thinking and therefore if i can sort my thinking out I'll have the right behaviour. So I'd been working really hard on, yeah, kind of trying to reprogram, trying to get the thinking to be right, and then and then it will be okay. And mostly I'd been able to do that. There'd been almost like a split between home and work, where I was still grumpy with the kids at home, but I could be this, like, serene, very emotionally intelligent person in the workplace with clients. And then these examples were kind of going, oh, my God, no, now the... Now, that awful mum, Helen, who's grumpy and judgmental, is leaking out in personal life and, and in, in, in work as well. Like, oh no, this is not good. So, all of that kind of led me, um, actually, in some ways, via yoga. So, my uh, yoga teacher started talking about just some quotes of the Buddha or things that he would say, that kind of thing. And I was like, my interest piqued my interest. And I was like, so this guy seems to have some pretty smart things to say, which led me to that book, um, Buddhism Plain and Simple, which is really, um, it's really the essence. So it's the, and he's very clear about that. You know, we've, over the years, Buddhism's been turned from what was never a religion. It's been turned into a religion with mantras and robes and temples and, you know, all the stuff's been put around it. So what he does in that book is really strip it back to the core of, um, of what was originally being pointed to. And um, yeah, so obviously sparked something. I heard something in that, and that led me then into an understanding that we have both shared in the three principles. I wonder if I, I might pause there and just see if that's a point in case you want to jump in with any questions or observations.
0: I'm just lapping it up, Helen. It's really, <laughs> really interesting. I I love hearing people's journeys, um, you know, um, what their experiences are, what the breadcrumbs have been. Mm. Um, I particularly resonate with what you shared around being one way in one environment and then noticing your behaviour is different in a different environment. And Simply being a, being aware of that is is so amazing because often we don't even notice our behaviour and what we're we're mm-hmm. doing, how we're different mm-hmm. in one one area to to another. Um, but I yeah, so I resonate strongly there, and I loved how you shared about the type of work you were doing, where you're um supporting people sort of teaching people how to um be professional how to be open to you know to, to listening and to all of that mm-hmm. kind of thing and then there you are <laughs> in, in other areas of your life um not lis- you know potentially not listening and not being open and kind of like um yeah controlling bossy mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. things that you, were, you were sharing <laughs> being the teacher the example yeah, yeah, yeah I love that and um yeah such a brilliant mirror for you yeah
1: well.
0: yeah I, I I hear what you're saying I love what you're saying so just I mean I'm curious about the 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 piece where you shared about trying to change your behavior so what what do you know now that has um yeah kind of f- flipped that on its head for you because it, it sounded mm. like you were saying that so I, I was trying to do things this way so I could mm. behave differently and it sounds like through these breadcrumbs that you've followed with Buddhism and, and what you're on to now some something's shifted
1: yeah so definitely. To hear a little bit
0: more about that
1: yeah yeah and i'm I'm wondering if I can actually pin pinpoint, pinpoint what has shifted um so i guess the the core thing that changed was what and what the three principles teach and, and what some non duality te- duality teachers resonate with is that we're creating an, an an experience of life inside out, so there's not a there's not a fixed objective reality out there that we're seeing there's a there's a created reality via thought that's happening here. So where I'd been working so hard to, and, and actually that the, the thought is not within any with I mean, within our control. There's no, yeah, there's nobody here that can control thought. And so where it looked like perhaps that was happening, or perhaps it looked like I was learning new thinking that may have been happening, thinking might have been changing, thinking might have been, there might have been learning happening to go, huh, that thinking doesn't make sense, but there wasn't a me here doing it, there was just, yeah, information coming in, programming changing, thinking changing, and therefore behaviour changing, and it had looked like I was the one doing it, I was in control, if I can just get these right thoughts, then I'll have the right behavior and I guess all the examples that I shared before showed that the right thinking clearly wasn't happening like I should go right actually right in inverted commas wasn't happening because yeah clearly clearly it wasn't not in not in every aspect of life um and so what shifted was seeing seeing the untruth of what I'd believed before and seeing that the mind was correlating situations to thoughts and it wasn't a causal situation it wasn't that for example that partner wasn't making me be critical it was that her behavior was being associated in my mind with danger it was being associated with risk because it didn't match my story of how you should behave and so the the automatic response was control you know make sure that stops get that under control yeah make the behavior change and again there was no there's no me here doing that that was just the the automatic response that was happening and so over the over time I've seen how the belief that those stories the belief that those thoughts are who I am and that yeah I am somehow making them happen or I can somehow control or change them that was all maintaining The confusion of that experience it was all maintaining the idea that yes she is dangerous by behaving in that way it's maintaining the idea that yes i here have to control that to make sure i'm okay and the more that's been seen through there's been a return to i guess might be described as like a space of clarity or a space of connection um a space of okayness and know unchanging security and from which then much more aligned behavior comes much more loving behavior comes um yeah just much more like right for the moment behavior comes rather than behavior which is working off of an old story or working off an old paradigm or an old construct that had been gathered years ago in which wasn't relevant to now. It was, yeah, it's like that mind just regurgitates and attempts to find security where there isn't any security.
0: Mm. So what I'm hearing there is that thoughts and feelings are not um, a true description of reality. They are um, based on our sort of conditioning. What we've been, what we what we believe to be, what we believe to be um, true about ourselves, about others, and about the world. But that's not actual reality. So mm-hmm. we can walk around living in a story of of this a created story. Um, and acting out in accordance with that story to stay safe, um, yeah. to, yeah, to make, to protect ourselves, um, or we can see, recognize that's still going to, that's potentially still going to play out, um, but recognize that it's not actual reality. It's a perception. Mm. It's our perception based mm. on the learning, the conditioning, the beliefs, um, that mm. of that have, that have you know happened since conception
1: really mm. <laughs> um yeah okay and, re- and really how all the all the work I was doing before was layering just layering more beliefs in so it was like trying to cover over the old beliefs which were seen to be unhelpful like the old thinking that that was like oh that's wrong thinking I need to change my thinking to get the right behavior but all it was doing was actually layering in more thinking it wasn't changing the fundamental stories that were there already just adding on oh now if I believe this then I'll be okay it was just you know flipping from I don't know I think of an example well yeah I shouldn't be judgmental so if the if the old belief was I shouldn't be judgmental and controlling there was perhaps a new belief layered over the top of it saying no I need to be open and inclusive and and not judge but it was just like so. Michael Neal uses that analogy, doesn't he, of putting nail varnish over a bunch of horse crap? <laughs> you know, it's like it, that's what I, that's what I was doing in in the old work. It was there was a, a a yucky, mucky story, and then I was trying to paint nail varnish over it. But it's really that's a really effortful, like never-ending job. It's like the fourth road bridge, you know nail varnish doesn't stay intact over the top of a pile of horse poop so you're going to have to keep painting it you're going to have to like <laughs> yeah and in
0: and in that painting it you it's like a, a constant affirming of it actually um there's that um very short but accurate um phrase of what you resist persists
1: mm. so mm.
0: yeah it's it's actually um folk for you focusing on something that um, isn't really where the focus needs to be.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Making something that's not real, supposedly real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maintaining it. Yeah. 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 And that's, okay. that's been a big shift that <clears throat> the, the space that gets created is the more you see that, that these stories aren't real. They're a version of a truth in a moment that happened at some point in some time. the, yeah just the lightness and the space that then comes around it like it's like a natural drawing of attention away from those stories then it's just like it stops making sense to to follow them or believe them because it's recognized that oh it's not actually it's not the truth maybe like reading a fairy tale when you're little or a yeah some kind of kid's story and thinking it's a real definitely true story and living your life by it and then realizing oh it was fiction somebody made it up oh right Mm, there's mm. more stories available
0: there definitely are and speaking of childhood what would you say was one of the the key stories that you had that um so start was sort of formed in childhood that then was constantly, be, the world was being seen through that lens of that story. What would you say mm. was the, the, one of the main ones for you?
1: Yeah, probably one I've actually just written about in my newsletter this week, which was do your best. So um, it was one that I think it was probably always there. The first clear memories of it was when I was first having tests and exams at school. <clears throat> and my mum would always say to us, do your best with such good intention. Like, really just meaning, you know, you put the work in, you go in there, you do the best you can on the day, like there's nothing else you can do. That's Then you can sort of hold your head up high and go, well, that's it, I did my best. Like, it couldn't have been anything else. So there was a real good intention behind it, but it was really heard here as, oh, wow, okay, I've got to do my best or, or else what? Like, the mind then makes up all these stories that we're not even consciously aware of but essentially which always lead to you know I'll be excluded nobody will love me I won't be fed I'll be kicked out the tribe I'll be dead fundamentally you know that's that's really the end point that that, that mind always goes to um and yeah so for, for the vast majority of my life that looked true that looked like that is necessary to live life by and yet yeah, really hard work because <laughs> Because there is no such thing as best, Um, and in fact, the thing yeah that I'm talking about this week is how even if so, some somebody fed back to me, oh yeah, I often say to people, do your best instead of do the best, because it's a different you know. There's more, I guess, almost like the feeling of control within do your best, but still, like what is best? Who who would ever decide best? How could I ever know what that is and? Other than what this is right now, like this is this is it right now. Best right now is this, and then best in the next moment is whatever's happening in the next moment. And any ideas that there's some future best that I can somehow get to is, is there's just nothing there. There's nothing. There's no. There's, yeah. There's nothing there to grasp hold of. So hence it's exhausting and it's endless and thankfully because then eventually we get do we do get tired of it and we go yeah this isn't working there's yeah nowhere where would we be getting to where do we think we're going to get to and why like what do we really think we're going to find at the end of that illusory best rainbow (laughs) yeah
0: and what would you say then helen is the is the new story for that not in not in terms not in terms of um the flip side of that particular story but what is the what is the what is your focus now
1: yeah just to live <laughs> i think just to live um yeah because really whatever is happening right now is the best that can be happening based on whatever looks real so whether i you know let's say that suddenly i was triggered back into an old story and believing all of that in fact this last couple of weeks an old story's come up again about time so that could probably be another one of my my core ones like the best one there's not enough time I've got so much to do and really like uh, and that's come up for some reason in the last couple of weeks again first time in ages and so it's it's um I can't remember what I was saying, but oh yes in terms of what's yeah so so in the presence of that like slightly antsy oh my goodness yeah not so much to do and not enough time there can be that awareness of just oh that's interesting that that's coming up so in the past that would have been leapt on and gone oh my goodness this is terrible I'm not doing my best you know I should be doing more with this time and and it's not good enough and um it would have been jumped on as a real problem that really needed solving, so that I could achieve best. Whereas now there's a there's a spaciousness with it that just goes, why wow, that's really interesting that that's coming up, and for sure there's been moments of of going, oh golly yeah, how can I do more? What what should I be doing more of? Plus there's been moments of sharing it with other people, which which always helps to create some space and help things move. But it's it's just that, like in all of that in those last two weeks, every single moment of that has been the best thing to do in that moment based on whatever was was looking obvious to do. So whether that was actually, yes, I want to get up at six o'clock and start doing some work really early, whether it was planning something in the diary for the future, whether it was talking to a friend or colleague, whether it was for an instant going, oh my God, oh my God, yeah, really, I haven't got time, you know, whatever, that all of those experiences were just the best that could possibly happen in that moment. There was nothing else available. Yeah. And I I think that's probably some of the, well, perhaps one of the biggest things that is present in the world is like believing that there's something else available than what's happening right now, or that somehow that what's happening right now should be different or could be different. How on earth would that be possible? Like there's just, there's this, whatever this is right now, and there is nothing else otherwise it would be happening
0: mm. yeah i i hear what you're saying there and and i suppose then it's a case of and now what from that from that point because um trying to trying to change something or dwelling on something that that was couldn't have been any other way is um yeah not going to get us not going to get us anywhere um but I also see that while hearing what you're saying is having that um when we're triggered or something like that comes up there's an opportunity to rather than diving into the the story of why am I being you know of of all all of all of that There's the opportunity to see it as material for liberation and Mm. what what next what next can can happen. Um, So. One of the questions is, what have you come to realize that could be described as a game changer? And it's within what you've already shared. There's (laughs) there's several there's several things and we are, you know, we're constantly seeing something fresh and it completely kind of changing mm. the world the world view that we see um mm. could you share and um even deep deepen deepen and deepen one of the ones that you've already shared mm. or maybe there's something something else which you mm. would describe as a game changer that you came to to realize
1: yeah um yeah there there are a couple of very significant moments i'll I'll go back to the very first one i had um so this was just a a few weeks into my original coaching in this (coughs) excuse me um and I was I was getting ready in the morning taking a shower thinking about my day ahead and thinking oh good I'm home at a reasonable time tonight and that's really good because last night I was really late and and you know mother's guilt and essentially in my head went to oh that means I'm a good mum because tonight I'll be home at a decent time. And then in that moment, I just saw all the associated stories with that. You know, my own expectations of what counts as a good mum and my mum's expectations on me, apparent expectations, society's apparent expectations of what counts as a good mum. And a phrase that my coach at that time would use was about how what we're experiencing in the moment is real but not true. So whatever it is that's happening feels real because we're feeling our thinking in that moment, but it's never true because there is never one true representation like best. You know, we could never say one truth of what best is. And so equally there's never one truth of what good parent is. We we could never know that. And in that moment in the shower, that, that story that, just ballooned out of this idea of oh, I'll be a good mum by coming home a decent time and that phrase of real but not true that whole thinking and a whole bunch of other thinking around um my childhood and what s- stories I'd maintained from that believing them to be truths all just collapsed and lots of tears followed in fact first yes yeah, so it was tears first of all it was a whole like a huge a uh, ball of energy seemed to come up from my stomach and it got stuck in my throat and then as it released it was just tears and tears and tears sobbing 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 but then this really peaceful feeling and loving just okayness I, and I was there with tears still falling but going I'm okay I'm okay and it was such a it was such a fundamental collapse of that conceptual mind that that tells all the stories and falling right back into that space mentioned before of, of the clarity and love and connection that we are. And um, yeah, nothing was ever quite the same again after that. It was, um, yeah, a really pivotal moment.
0: Mm, beautiful. And one of the things that's, that's said in the intro of Stories Worth Telling is, who would you be without your story? So mm. in that moment, Helen, who were you without, without the story?
1: oh just absolute freedom yeah freedom and peace and love and joy there was such a like I spent about three days walking on a cloud of (laughs) just joy and I remember it was like wow and now look at all these people around me seem really happy as well so it was also a very useful um example of like the world being that representation of of who we are in the moment it's like huh is it <laughs> this, this this world of where perhaps in the shops and things people seem a bit, you know, offhand or there's no particular experience and it's like wow everyone's so friendly and so lovely and smiling and wow is that me is that them you know it <laughs> raised all that stuff but yeah so I, so I basically spent a few days sort of in this gorgeous space of no story yeah and and in fact even for a few months the the chatter in in the mind just wasn't there and it was um, yeah it it shows that space of, of freedom and clarity and flow and just in the moment that all the ideas of time had disappeared at that point as well like no no concept of oh but this must be done by this point and you know all that uptightness had dissipated so yeah and I'm often that can be heard as you know so passive that nothing happens so within that children were still looked after and meals made and clients requirements met and you know it didn't mean I was this flaky floaty not functioning in the world which often the mind can hear like it thinks that if it's not there with its stories making sure everything happens just as it has to happen it imagines it will all go to pot and that you know will it be in a complete mess and and that's part of the that's part of the freedom that's available to recognize that no actually in the absence of those stories that's exactly what's wanted that's exactly what we're all looking for it's just we've been looking for it either in those thoughts or in the world and trying to make the world line up in a way that satisfies us but which can never happen that it will never satisfy the mind that it will always that mind will always find something to judge or criticize or worry about because it's there's never enough there's never enough to make that that chatter say oh good we're done now you know that that's just never gonna be a thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm also
0: hearing in there that that space without the identifying with stories is a space of creativity a a space that you know lots is actually happening but it's more a case of um, there's freedom, movement. There's there's um, availability for it to happen because you're not identifying with stories which ultimately are going to be limiting. Even a story that um, sounds you know perfect is still going to be limiting because it's it's a it's a belief that um, has a fixed kind of identity to it whereas what you're describing when those stories fall away is the vastness of anything is
1: possible Mm. yeah Mm. yeah love it and that to me is (laughs) yeah that's that seems to be the place of like rich fulfillment like you know people talk about wanting a fulfilling life and we look out there like oh well if I could do that job or if I could jump over a plane or if I could I don't know, go to the Bahamas, whatever the thing is, it doesn't really matter, but we're looking for fulfilment out there. Whereas, yeah, the fulfilment is here in that space of infinite possibilities and infinite potential, and which is there in the absence of that story that creates a a false limit. Yeah, the whole thing becomes available and that's the fulfilment that we're looking for. It's like the edge of your seat. What's going to happen next?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. I also wanted to pick up on one of the pieces that you shared within that, which was around um, noticing that people were happy and smiling and, and then kind of questioning, well, hang on a minute, have the people changed or am I just seeing some, seeing the world differently? And um, basically we have, it's something ridiculous. Like there's, uh, honestly, it is something ridiculous, like four Four million pieces of information coming at us per second, oh. and, we could, and there's only the the sort of conscious awareness of say two thousand of those. So, as a, you know, yes, you um, you could describe us as being spiritual beings, but we are experiencing life through this kind of um, um, human lens, if you want to call, call it that, and mm-hmm. the way that the that the mechanics of that is there's yeah around 2000 bits of information that we can have so the we have to only see certain Mm. certain bits we can't see the four billion Mm. so the bits Mm. that we see will be based on what we've learned what we've what our conditioning is what the stories are and Mm. then in those moments where the stories drop away we have access to things outside of those so then it's like, you know. So if you do have a story where maybe the world, the world is, is a bit cold, people, you know, people, maybe you can't trust them. I'm not saying this, this is you, Helen, but you know. But if that if that's the type, if that's the type of narrative that somebody has, that the world is not safe, then you're going to see a representation of that as you're walking mm. around. Mm. Um, whereas when that story uh, of the world is not safe falls away then potentially you're going to you're going to see um mm. some something else something fresh mm. that you've not seen
1: before yeah um, yeah, yeah really yeah and I, and i really hear in that how um also then so knowing knowing that for yourself and knowing knowing who you are for yourself even then if you occur uh, come across somebody who does seem untrustworthy or unwelcoming or whatever it's just a whole different experience of it because it's now just met with with that grounded okayness and response in the moment to whatever that is which can be no I don't want to do business with you because you don't seem trustworthy you know it could be that Mm. (laughs) it could be that obvious um but that but entirely okay like there's no sense of oh golly should I say something to them or not or you know maybe I should just be nice and play along or or let them down nicely or you know what whatever. But we with the stories we we, we're trying so hard to navigate the world back and forth with all these conflicting ideas of, oh well Bob said that to me that day and mum and dad used to say that and oh but Auntie Sue says such and such. So oh what do I do about trust now? Because I've got like 10 different stories of what to do if I don't trust somebody. And that's that thing that when, when we're in the moment, just present with this person right here and grounded in our okayness, then we respond from that with that person, irrespective of what, what the situation is. So yeah, it's not that necessarily the world all suddenly becomes, I don't know, maybe that's possible. Maybe there are people in the world who literally spend all their time in that experience of love and all the world is, is love and peace and there's nothing wrong with it but i think for the vast majority it's it's more a case of yeah you'll still come across people who you might not want to spend time with who you might not want to hang out with you might not want to do business with or or shop with or whoever and then there's just the clarity of yeah no that's that's not for me that's that's not mm. something i'm going to do anymore yeah yeah there's a
0: real brings more honesty doesn't it um yeah. to the table and um what um one of my mentors would describe as sovereignty. Mm. Um, so, you know, a lot of the time, most, most people um, are going around as little children yeah. <laughs> and, be, and compounded by all of these, these different stories that formed in childhood from sort of conception to say up to seven years old, um, you know, that's how we're kind of like
1: mm.
0: walking around and seeing life. Whereas mm. there is this opportunity to become adult, to become sovereign, and to have real honesty. And where we're not controlled or owned by the stories, we're not identified with them. So there is uh, more space. And Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think it is rare for someone to be in that that, um, space of um love Byron Katie perhaps I would say mm. somebody that um, from yeah what I've, yeah 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 so yeah there are rare mm. certainly rare cases where there are people that seem to just be in that space of mm. all they're seeing is 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 love um so it's certainly possible but like you say <laughs> the majority of us <laughs> it's it's okay to know, what's for you and what's not and to kind of um let go of the the stories of how I must be- how I should behave must behave and being polite and and all of this because honesty isn't um a bad thing you mm-hmm. know ending a friendship or and en- or not going into business with somebody or you know having to say no mm-hmm. but to get really hung up on um, on on you know the knowing inside that we want to say no but then not doing and then it all just becomes messy it's just mm-hmm. like oh if I'd have just said no in the first <laughs> place it would have saved a whole lot of hassle because you then just become it then just becomes confusing and yeah you know the mm-hmm. other I had an experience of that the other week and when I eventually kind of said actually that's not for me um the other person just said oh okay Right. I spent like yeah you know, I, I, well, I don't know how long I'd spend but I spent longer than I needed to on kind of like oh what's the best way of saying this do it. it's just like oh my goodness
1: yeah yeah just say no <laughs> just
0: say no it's fine it's, yeah. it doesn't mean anything about me or them and whatever stories whatever stories come up they come up mm. you know, but mm. just yeah, mm. being honest adult yeah owning what's for you um is yeah mm. so precious mm. and okay, I'm going to move on to um another question okay because I, I liked in part of what your beautiful share about being in the shower and that realization you had you mentioned around about the sort of like this um energy that came up from your stomach and then sort mm. of came into your throat and out so um it made me think about speaking
1: mm.
0: you know speaking what speaking honestly speaking mm. the, the truth that we see in that in that moment um knowing it's not the absolute truth but knowing that that's what we're, we're, our realization, what we're seeing. So what do the words when women speak say to you, Helen?
1: Yeah, it really connects into what we've just been talking about with honesty. Um, Yeah, it's it's that, it's that truth in the moment. It's the honesty in the moment. And which I think, um, I think when we've believed that there is a truth in this relative world, that we can't say ours because what if we're wrong? Or what if somebody doesn't like it? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? And I think maybe particularly for women, I don't know, but maybe particularly for women, we were more told say the right thing, be nice, be kind, be polite. And so therefore potentially more squashing of what I really think, because I mean, certainly when you just said a moment ago about being honest, it took me right back to times when I was quite a lot younger, so probably in that zero to seven phase, and being told, Th- think before you speak was the phrase, think before you speak. So clearly, whatever was coming out of my mouth was considered unacceptable, and that I needed to engage my head first before allowing my mouth to open. That was perhaps the beginning of a whole bunch of, yeah, <laughs> control your behaviour via your thinking. Um, and yeah, so, so. Of course, what therefore was my truth in that moment, my honesty in those in those moments as a child, I, there was a definite message there of no, that's not okay. You need to think before you you speak. You need to you need to consider what you're saying. And so I think, um, yeah, that that honesty in the moment, rec- in the recognition that there is no there is no absolute truth. Going back to what we said at the start about stories worth telling, you know. I don't know if my story is worth telling or not. I can't judge that. There'll be everybody who's listening to this podcast. There'll be that many different perspectives of whether this story is worth telling or not. But hey, this is this is what looks true and real to me. So this is what's coming out right now, and and I think that's the thing. It's it, I think it's women refinding that voice and refinding um, who they always have been, and it's just it has just been veiled by these stories that we've believed to be important to our, to our well-being, to our success, to our safety, um, to our inclusion. And actually it's, it's so the opposite. It's in the dissolving and the t- disappearing of those stories that then we come more into who we are and the world loves us back for it. You know, we love ourselves now for that and therefore the world loves us back. And of course that doesn't mean everybody because it's never gonna mean everybody. But it means that the that the ones we are um we are here to connect with in that moment will be there. But it yeah, it really all starts here. There's there's no for me, there's nowhere else to look apart from what's this experience here and and yeah, what are those stories and dissolve them and and love them and include them and then and then we watch and yeah, we'll see changes in behavior, we see a different expression of a Helen and a Sarah and um yeah that's that's the shift mm. yeah i i love that about um
0: loving it all loving it all back in um so not making anything about ourselves wrong i think it's 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 like you you shared that that story around as a child perhaps saying something and then yeah being um <laughs> 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 it being pointed out no <laughs> that's not the thing to say and then uh, it's pushed it's pushed into we're sort of shamed you know yeah, we yeah. don't know what we don't know what else to do with it there isn't that um you know as children we've not formed how to understand all these different concepts and, and what have you so it's it's very kind of um literal isn't it mm. so it's sort of like mm. think people think before you speak oh I, right that's what I must do and then trying to work out well what what is the mechanism of doing that I best just I best just not not say anything (laughs) Uh, mm. yeah gorgeous okay before we move on to just um well finishing off really with sharing what you're up to um and um how people can get in contact with you you answered one of the first questions. Um you took it upon yourself, Helen. Very, <laughs> to answer one of the first questions, <laughs> which was um what have you heard, seen, uh, read recently or from years ago that's inspired you? Do you mm. want to mention that book again on a key piece of it or or share something else? It's entirely up to you.
1: Yeah, so that book, Buddhism Plain and Simple, really stands out for me because it was the beginning of a it's been a three year journey, yeah, almost exactly three years now actually. And oh my goodness, since then, do you know what? It's so hard to pinpoint any other particular like one thing. There's been so many amazing books. There are so many amazing books out there. Um amazing teachers, loads on YouTube, loads of podcasts. That's essentially been my last three years. It's like, wow, look at it all. Um you mentioned Byron Casey, like she's got great books. Um mind at home with itself was the one I first read of hers and that was yeah that was amazing untethered soul michael Singer, eckhart tolle and new earth all yeah all incredible incredible people doing incredible work so if anybody did want to get in touch I know you know loads of resources as well but yeah really happy to share and point people if there's particular things they're interested in um because it each teacher, of course, has a slightly different angle and t- slightly different topics, and but yeah, there's a there's a wealth of um, of inspiration available. There certainly is, and um,
0: those three that you mentioned there, I've I've read a Mind at Home with itself, and just found that beautiful, and um, yeah, Untethered Soul and New Earth again, yeah, really really enjoyed them, and what's been interesting is going back to The Untethered Soul and New Earth with fresh understandings and sort of seeing the world differently and hearing something new in, mm. in it as well. Uh, Mind at Home with Itself, I I actually listened to the audio of that um, after quite a lot of different shifts that have, that have occurred with sort of, yeah, some of the ones that you've kind of alluded to here around really seeing that um, there is... No separation with of 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 anything, and the you know these stories that are formed aren't actually describing reality (laughs) reality. Um so yeah, I I was able to listen to that from that perspective, and it just still though deepened and opened me up even more. Um Mm. yeah, love it. Okay, Helen. So to finish, I want you to free-flow on why you do why you do what you do what's your what's your point of view Helen and what so why you do what you do who you feel called to share what you do with who you work with and how people can get in touch with you all of the information will be on the show notes so people mm-hmm. can go there and find you but just um yeah I'd love you to just free flow on on, on what's going on for you and why you, why you do it
1: yeah cool thank you um so yeah really the thing I help people with is what we've been talking about today. So I help people, I've I, I like the. I've discovered the phrase recently of remember the real you. So that's really the core purpose of what I'm doing. It's helping people recognize who they are before the stories. It's helping them recognize the stories and not dismiss them, not just go, oh yeah, you can easily like layer on a an intellectual concept and go, oh yeah, it's just a story, I can just ignore that, I'll just ignore that, I'll just ignore that. It's it's what we've talked about today that that seeing them for what they are and having awareness with them and including them and then that's what enables them to settle that's what enables them to dissolve and that's what returns us more and more and more to the real you that we are and that that really pure expression that we were here to be in the world that we are here to be in the world and and so in in my work I tend to work with people who have strived to be the best in some way, who've worked really hard, who've believed that at some point all this hard work will pay off and they'll be there, wherever there is, that there's a right way to do life and that as long as they do life in that right way, then they'll be okay. You know, all, the, all these pressures are uh, very common to people I work with where they, yeah, they really care. You know, they're really caring people. They really want to do the right thing. They really want to do the best by themselves and others they really want to make a difference and help others perhaps with their own change or their own development and it's all coming from a place of because I'm not okay because I've got to be the best because I've got to work hard at, at being the right kind of me for the world and so that's really what I um, what I care about doing is helping people like that return to that purity of who they really are the real them and out of the story, remember the love that they are, remember the f- fun and the lightheartedness that they are because everything gets really heavy and sticky and oh, exhausting when we're in that place of story. So it's really returning to that lightness and that, we mentioned to, earlier today, possibility and the freedom and the, the potential of what's available. Um, and, and so really enabling change, but in a, in a way that for me is, from everything I've seen and everything I've done, is the most aligned with with the natural way of the system the most aligned with what's really going on versus what we've been thinking is going on and that just seems to make the whole process much easier Yeah, i use a metaphor of a river in my work and so it really is us getting in the flow of going with the river whereas what we have been doing is like trying to control it and contain it and make it go in a certain direction and build stuff around it to make sure the channels are correct size and all that but no there's there's really a very beautiful natural flow and mechanism of change that we already are and it's already happening and so it's really becoming aware of that and and seeing what's yeah what's already going on what's really already going on if that's what that's all part of what returns us to that that space of, of the real us so, I find that I tend to work with um, lots of coaches and leaders, so people leaders who really do care about making a difference and and who they themselves you know are committed to their development, but like me, have probably reached a point of and, and coaches too so I've reached a point of going, "It's not worked," <laughs> you know reached that point of having been doing development for however long and realizing yeah, it's not having the effect it was supposed to have. It's not, it's got, not got me to this perfectly behaved person that I was supposed to be, to be becoming. And so it's, it's really, it's often people at that point where they've, they've yeah tried a whole bunch of other stuff and it's not, it's not done what they expected it to do. It's really not um, made the change that they expected. Certainly not made it sustainable and, and not made it more fun or, or easier. So yeah, they're, they're the kind of people who who I tend to work with and it's just amazing helping and guiding and pointing and seeing, seeing them flourish and come alive again, really, returning to that space. So in terms of where people can find me, um, my business is called Wild Fig Solutions. So Wild Fig because um, I love trees and when... Um, When I was first considering starting my own business, somebody said to me, gosh, you seem so curious and you seem to really want to get to the root cause. And so I'd driven home from that meeting thinking "Mm, roots. And I really like trees. So I'd gone and Googled and um, I had a choice between the wild fig or the baobab as the trees with the deepest roots in the world. And I thought, well, I quite like wild fig. So I'm going to go with that. Um, funnily enough then a later link of course with the the buddha part and he sat under his fig tree when he had his enlightenment moment um but yeah so so wild fig solutions because it, like you said before it seems to keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper but it's kind of it seems to be what I love to do is to to work at as deep a level as possible to kind of work at the most fund le- fundamental level possible to enable the biggest the biggest shifts the biggest changes to yeah to, to change our experience of life so my website worldfigsolutions.co.uk um and on that there's links to all my social media I'm on pretty much every channel one clubhouse um I've got my free newsletter every week and some other free resources on there so yeah if people want to go and check it out then very welcome and reach out if you want to call It'd be amazing wonderful
0: wonderful Helen I've yeah i've uh, really enjoyed speaking with you and um it's just it's been gorgeous reminders of yeah the power of stories and also the freedom that's available to us um the freedom that we are mm. i should say mm. um and yeah and i've i've felt really as we've journeyed through this conversation there's a real calm and lightness that I feel um, and it's interesting because I feel that we've we've talked about some quite profound things and yet yeah I just feel this this lightness of of being in your presence so uh thank you for gifting that uh, <laughs> to this conversation as well I, I, yeah I feel very smiley and <laughs> <laughs>
1: feeling the love feeling the <laughs> love yes yeah yeah so thank you helen gorgeous. Oh, you're very welcome thanks so much Sarah. if you would like to find out
0: more about when women speak and keep up to date with everything that's going on then please join our mailing list over on the website which is www.sgn.com that stands for when women speak global network